Luke 9, 61 and 62 says, Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Hello, and welcome back to Think This Way, the podcast of Faith Bible Church. My name is Bryce Beal. I'm one of the pastor elders here. Today, I have the joy of having Jordan Minky with me. Jordan, thanks for being on here. Thanks for having me, Bryce. My pleasure. We appreciate you in many, many ways, Jordan. One of the things that you do here at Faith Bible is you do work with our youth quite a bit, Youth Discipleship (laughs) Ministry, yeah, YDM. But you've been here, well, for a long, long time. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) Actually, we were in college at the same time. I don't think we were the same age. Close. You were older. Yeah. What what are you now? Because I don't think our age difference has changed. Yeah, I'm 30. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was a few years ahead of you, but we were neighbors, so that was fun. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you remember that. We Both were. In Chase. Uh huh. That's Good right. Times. Good times. Good times. Well, I've appreciated your faithfulness walking with the Lord, especially in light of what we're talking about today, because today we're going to be talking about tempted at the plow. When Jesus gives us a challenge, since we're focused on discipleship and being disciples of Jesus, Jesus gave a challenge to his followers here in Luke 9 that we read that no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom, which is a warning that that will be a temptation to have our hand on the plow, going to follow Jesus, but to look back. Before we jump into the subject, though, not everybody knows you. So I thought we'd just get started briefly. How did you come to know the Lord, and then how did you end up here at Faith Bible Church? So I became a Christian my freshman year of college, so I was uh, I think it was 18 then, or just turned 19. Anyway, but it was kind of this interesting four-month project for many um, who still go to Faith Bible, actually. Um, a couple guys you know, Dave Cannon and a few others, that were just faithfully pouring into my life, that were sharing the gospel with me. And, um, you know, it kind of started with the move-in crew. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with that at USI, but guys just coming around and just the most ridiculous interaction, first interactions you can think of, people helping you get moved into your freshman dorm. But it's just so chaotic, and I don't know, it's just funny. And I think back, like, I still joke with Darren Smith because he was one of those guys, and he ruined a trash can that I had just <laughs> of completely destroyed it. <laughs> for the gospel. Yeah, for the gospel. Destroying <laughs> people's stuff for the gospel. So, so amazing. Um, but it, it was a period where, you know, I'd come out of high school where, you know, for the most part, high school was okay, but I did struggle with depression off and on, and that definitely led into college um, in a big way, where I struggled with depression off and on a lot through college, and um, kind of fed into some bad relationships and just poor decision making off and on. Um, but it, it was amazing because I think God really used that in my life um, to kind of challenge me to ask myself some of the bigger questions about life. What is truth? What is right? What is wrong? And um, kind of, I don't know, it's kind of random, but kind of brought in some big questions of like, I, I, was, I was kind of a hopeless romantic, you could say, you know, and, you know, you think about like your, your average love story and what somebody would consider love. And I think for me, like, I, I started asking that question, like, is love even a real thing? And it's kind of a weird question, but you know, from an atheist perspective, you know, you kind of think like, well, love is just a chemical reaction in your brain. And that's it. That's all it is. It's nothing more special than that. It's not even necessarily a good or bad thing. It's just, that's what it is. 
But for me, it's like, I feel like there's just something so much more to this. And as these guys were sharing the gospel with me, this idea of what love is through the lens of the gospel just started resonating with me more and more and more. And I I don't know, it's just kind of this cool idea that, you know, God's grace, God's sending his son sacrifice for us, um, it's the ultimate love. And and it's weird because we're almost wired to have that speak to our hearts, it feels like, because it's so many people. Like, like you go throughout history and you see all these people that have heard the gospel, um, and, and that story just continues to resonate with people in a way that almost doesn't even make sense, you know, like from a, from a worldly perspective. And so that was me, you know, my freshman year of college asking bigger and bigger questions and these guys just faithfully coming back to me again and again and again, even when I tried to turn them away a few times. And thankfully they were faithful and through their, um, through their labor, you know, I came to Christ in December of 2018, I think it was. And, uh, you know, there's been challenges along the way, but, you know, thankfully God's, you know, preserved me in that and, or through all that. And, you know, he's got me where I am today. And being with campus outreach, you were kind of naturally plugged into faith Bible, Mm -hmm. even while you were in college. And then when you graduated, you were one of the few that Indianapolis didn't suck up. (laughs) Right, right, right. We're glad we kept you here. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, I'm from Indy area originally, so yeah. So even more miraculous that we got to keep you. But Molly came into the picture and... She helped keep me here. Stabilized. She she grounded me. Your and Molly's premarital counseling was the first... I ever sat in as a pastoral <laughs> intern. About that. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. You did a great job wow. from what I remember of it. <laughs> so, well, um, you know, with that background, I felt like you would be someone it'd be good to talk with about this because a lot of the people, I mean, some of the names that you mentioned, like a Darren and a lot of these people, I grew up a little younger then, but were good friends with. You know, we had a lot of other friends as well who had come to Christ through campus outreach mm-hmm. often or other things and were even very excited about the gospel, but then turned back and are not living for the Lord today. And I know that's consistently been a discouragement for those who have stayed. So that's why we wanted to talk about this today, tempted at the plow. Jesus made it clear in this verse that I started with that there would be a temptation for some to take their hand on a plow. I've never plowed a field before, so I'm just using my imagination here. But you put your hands on the plow with some animal to help push it, pull it, and you're guiding the plow. And obviously, if you look backward, you can't guide it because you're not looking forward. You're going to mess up your rows. So if you're a farmer, you can correct me, but I'm assuming that's what Jesus is saying there. So what does that mean for us? As we're disciples of Jesus, there are temptations for all of us to be that person Jesus warns about looking back. And I put together a list of just a few that came to my mind of what are some of the major temptations that are there. So the people that, if you're listening, are people you probably almost certainly know who have turned back is probably for one of these reasons. Or these may be temptations you yourself have felt. Here's just a few of them. Number one, a desire for worldly pleasures. I think this is what Jesus meant. For example, Luke 17, 32, he's talking about his return, but he says, remember Lot's wife. And Lot is that sort of picture of looking back towards Sodom. The angel said, don't look back. She looks back and she turns into salt, which is surprising. 
but her looking back, it doesn't tell us, but we can kind of assume toward the worldliness of Sodom mm-hmm. and missing that. But the better, clearer example is in Second Timothy, where Paul says that Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. In love with this present world. So that's one reason for someone to look back or renounce Christ or turn away desire for worldly pleasures. Another one's ungodly relationships. This is a big one. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. So don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And I think, um, I mean, I can just think of the people who seem to be excited for the Lord until they start dating mm-hmm. someone who's not excited for the Lord. Yeah. And they justify it and say they'll fix them or whatever it is. And then they just turn away. The old flirt to convert. <laughs> flirt to convert, which sometimes has worked, but is never recommended because it's not promised it will work. And often somebody's heart gets, you know, a believer who goes into the flirt to convert, your heart gets entangled. Ideally, the person comes to Christ. That does happen. Um, but a lot of times it doesn't. And now your heart's entangled. And you should break it off, but it gets really tough. Another temptation to look back would be just disillusionment with the Christian life. And this is what Jesus meant when he talked about those sown on rocky soil. They don't have any root in themselves, he said. They endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And they were excited at first, he says. They sprouted up. Excitement. Whoa, the gospel, Jesus, even the love that you're talking about. These are really awesome things. Love it. But there's no depth. Um, And so once disillusionment comes in, so someone who came to Christ because this community is amazing, I love it, which is good, should be, but they came primarily for that reason. What happens when that community falls apart or isn't there, they turn away. A few other ones. Um, Sometimes a temptation to turn away is just you watch others turn away. And that happened in Jesus' own day when the large crowds, Jesus got up, huge crowds following him, and he said, all right, everybody. If you want to keep following me, it's time to eat my body and drink my blood. And they said, oh, no, (laughs) what are we doing? And they all went home. And then the few who are still following Jesus said, you want to go home too? So the example of them leaving, is that going to mean that you're going to leave too? Two more. One is just plain unbelief. Hebrews 3.12, take care, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Simple unbelief. Uh, lastly here, heresy, which we saw in First John. They went out from us. They were not of us. They went out following heretical teachings about Jesus, and there are people who will turn to heresies, Christian heresies or otherwise. So there's just a list of some of the temptations that are always there for us to look back or turn away from Christ. I'm interested, Jordan, and we've actually not talked about this beforehand. I mean, we've talked about this episode, but I'm interested to hear from you as we think about these temptations or others. Are any of these ones that you yourself have experienced as a Christian? How did that look? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm going to use this as a, uh, as a guide for me, this list you've created, <laughs> because a lot of these resonate with me. Um, probably the primary uh, was the ungodly relationships, especially in college that I mentioned. And, um, and I actually feel like this is fairly consistent in our culture. You know, like we have a culture that um, is obviously very diverse, and so it's hard for Christians to just have good community and fellowship with just other Christians, you know, and, and it gets really easy to fall into groups that are maybe going to discourage lifestyles, like this says, you know, bad company ru- ruins good morals. 
it's just easy to fall into different lifestyles that are maybe going to cause you to, to to lose sight of, of maybe what the, the true goal is in life. And I think for me personally, yeah, like that that's exactly what it was. On a college campus, you know, a lot of relationships that I fell into, um, both like romantic relationships and just friends. Um, but yeah, it's just really easy to like start doubting things, to just start questioning like, well, you know, this life doesn't seem so bad. So why do I really need to keep going down this path if this one seems fine? You know, like kind of to use our own judgment, if you will, despite knowing how bad we are actually judging things, you know, we still continue to do it and say, well, this is good because I think it's good when it's probably not. Disillusionment with the Christian life that you mentioned. So that is interesting because I think that's a struggle that I myself have struggled with where, um, Part of, part of what led me to Christ was actually seeing the community of believers in Camps Outreach. Like I mentioned earlier with my testimony, that were just very passionate and very consistent with pursuing me and um, sharing the gospel with me. And it, it was almost like this brotherhood. And then to see parts of that brotherhood slowly break away over the years was kind of discouraging. Thankfully, you know, like there's a bright side to that where I think, you know, I, I experienced it and it kind of chipped away at the disillusionment that I had. And I think it kind of led me to see see a more pure form, I think, of what God's, you know, God's body, you know, the body of believers is supposed to be, what your Christian community is supposed to be. Um, I don't know that I've ever really struggled with heresy per se, but, you know, I think the other big thing that over the last few years has made it hard is, um, you know, obviously... Political landscapes are changing quite a bit. Ideologies are becoming a little bit more uh, talked about, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. That's probably a weird way to word that. But, you know, you think back like decades ago before social media and everything, there there were so many ideas that were there, but they weren't talked about like they are now. There's so many big ideas out there that are being thrown out. Some of them may be okay. Some of them maybe not. But they can easily trick you into thinking everything that you've been taught through the Bible is wrong or silly or, um, you know, whether it's atheist ideologies or if you even consider like, you know, the LGBTQ uh, movement where there's this idea that, you know, this is true love and it's marketing itself as true love. And when you look at it at first glance, it can get really easy to say, hey, that does look like love and acceptance because it, you know, by all appearances, it's peaceful, it's easy, it's simple, and that's it. And it can get really, really confusing for a Christian to just look at that and say, that is love. Um, but it demands us to, to really be able to ask ourselves and each other harder questions and have not just an accountability of behavior, but of thought, I think. And that's that's challenging. So anyway, so all that to say, I think this is where a lot of my challenges have been over the years, but it's also been good for me because it's kind of forced me to, to build in some supports in my life um, to, to be able to help me through those challenges. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And when I think about those early friend groups, I think about the number of guys that we ran with who are yeah. not running anymore. But I also think about the number who are even thinking of you. I mean, here you are, faithful. You got your wife, kids. You know, you're loving others. You're serving in the church. It's really rather a miraculous thing for any of us, you know, because the guy in this text in Luke nine 
says, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me just go say goodbye to those in my home, you know, and it seems rather harsh of Jesus to say like, nope. (laughs) Although granted, if Jesus was literally, you know, outside that window knocking like, hey, come on out, you know, uh, in a little bit. No, we would go right now. That'd be fine. People would understand. But, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's such a strong statement and a strong warning about turning back because it is such a common thing. And it's really a remarkable grace that here you are, you haven't turned back. I mean, that's just an amazing thing when you think of all who have. In light of that, if there's someone who's listening to this podcast right now who might even just be on the brink of, you know, turning back from the plow, for any of these reasons, maybe they resonate with some that you've shared, any of these reasons, they're discouraged, they're not sure about this Christian stuff anymore, whatever, and they're just on the brink of maybe they should just give it up. Their unbelieving friends seem pretty happy. Maybe they should go do that for a while. What uh, warning, encouragement, counsel would you have for someone in that position? Uh, yeah, so it's a tough one. I I feel like there's probably a lot of really good, profound answers. I'm probably not going to give one of them, but uh, I think what I said about the LGBT community and the ideas of love that are being shared, that's to me, that's probably one of the more tempting thoughts that I hear uh, regularly is this idea that this this right here is the true form of love. This right here is the 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 truth, you know, and it makes sense to so many people and and it's just it's one of many ideologies. It's not the only one. I'm not trying to narrow that out and say that that's the worst of the worst. That's not what I'm saying, but I I will say in terms of appeal, that one among just a few others makes so so much sense. And when you look at it, you know, this is our culture's way of saying this is what's right, and it's pointing towards Christianity now and saying because this disagrees with it, you know, Christianity is wrong. You know, culture changes its mind a lot. Fifty years down the road, culture is going to look completely different in regards to what is moral, what is right, what is wrong than it does now. You know, and you look at like the boomers and how people judge boomers for having some of the perspectives they do on topics like like homosexuality or or various other topics because they were taught to think a certain way. And it's like, you're going to be that person one day, you know? And and so there's going to be this question of, did you ground yourself in truth that was determined in the heat of the moment by your culture? Or did you ground yourself in truth that has been determined by God, you know, by the God of the universe? And so I think there's that question of, you know, even if, following culture sounds appealing and you don't believe that there's a God, you have to know that there's going to be a point where you become the bad guy in culture's eyes. And so I think that to me is the motivation that I use to keep pointing myself to asking the big questions, you know, does truth supersede culture or does culture determine it? And if so, then none of us are right. I don't know. Hopefully that made sense. Absolutely. I think we'd all like to think that if we lived in 1930s, 40s Germany, uh, and not every German shared Nazi ideology, it just wasn't that way, but, you know, especially among those who are older, there's at least a sense of permissiveness. It's like, oh, we wouldn't do it, but okay, if they're going to do it, okay. And then there were those who were just fully complicit in the Nazi ideas. Mm-hmm. And we'd all like to think, well, it wouldn't have been me. <laughs> right. I would have known that that was wrong and stood against it boldly. <laughs> 
But it, it doesn't often work out that way in real life. It takes a lot of courage to go against everyone around you, you know, your whole culture. That's a good point, and it changes so often. What advice or encouragement would you have for someone who's maybe not on the brink of turning away themselves, but they're in a position, kind of like you've found yourself too, where you've had a lot of guys or girls that you've been close with seem like they love the Lord, and then for any number of reasons, they've turned away, and they're not living for Christ right now. And let's say someone's listening to this, and they're just discouraged by that. You know, That's just very disheartening. What encouragement do you have for someone in that position? Yeah, I I think this goes back to the uh, disillusionment with Christian life that we talked about and having a false idea of what Christianity is about and letting the tribulations of life, like God use those tribulations to kind of chip away at those misconceptions. And, And so I'm not trying to be just the glass half full guy here, but I think there is a certain amount of optimism, right? You know, like we look to God for hope, not just because we need it, but because he offers it. Like, we know it's there. We know the hope exists. And so, yes, it sucks. Like, I look back, and I had some super close friends. Like, I remember I was in Orlando, the Orlando Project, and I remember just sitting um, outside this hotel praying with this guy, and we just had this awesome moment. And I was like, gosh, this is one of the coolest friends I've ever had. And that guy went down a really um, sad path. You know, like, I just... I, I don't think he, I mean, even from a worldly standpoint, I don't think he was doing real well a couple of years after that. Um, but a lot of it was just due to the fact that he, he chose a different lifestyle, you know? And, and so it gets discouraging to look back on that. Um, but I, I think you'd be hard pressed to, to look at the Bible and say that life isn't meant to be messy. And I think that is the big thought that I would focus on is just understanding that life is going to be messy. You know, the storms are going to storm and we have to remember who calms the storm, you know, who's in control. And so I I, I think there is a certain amount of encouragement that you can find. Even Paul, I think we talked about Romans 5 a couple of weeks ago where, you know, Paul talks about the purpose of tribulation, you know, that tribulation isn't without a purpose, um, but God uses it to teach us perseverance and grow us in character and to build up our, our faith, our hope. And uh, I think that's the idea that I would cling to is just constantly, as a community of believers, asking ourselves and asking each other, you know, what is God teaching you through this season? E- even knowing that it's a difficult lesson, hopefully, that we're learning. Yeah, and, and you're a good example, Jordan, of that very fact because your experiences in yourself facing these temptations and then in experiencing others turning away, walking away is really the only reason you could be on a podcast talking about these things because you've grown through those experiences. So I really do appreciate your willingness to come in, on here and talk with us. So thank you, Jordan, for doing that. Anytime, yeah. anytime. And someone listening to this in the past may have thought Christianity was going to look a lot different than it has <laughs> looked for them. And so they may be on the brink of just turning back, disillusioned with Christianity, or you may be surprised by how many people you know have walked away from the Lord, and you might be tempted to turn back with your hand on the plow. But whatever you thought of before, may God help us all now by His grace to think this way. <laughs>